Shalom. Welcome back to the second part of a discussion of the journey of the soul. Last week, for those of you who were watching us, saw us have a discussion concerning what exactly is the soul, why does it come down to a particular family, what is its purpose, and what are some of the lessons we can learn from the Jewish masters and the Kabbalistic mystics concerning the purpose of this soul and how it affects our life, how it helps us to understand more about who we are, what we are, and why we experience certain things in our life that we do experience that are often very enigmatic and hard for us to understand. We're here today with Rabbi Dov Bear Pinson, who's written a, an excellent book about this. And I want to thank you again, for Rabbi Pinson, for coming on the show. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you out here. And I just want to show our viewers your, your book, which we discussed a little bit about last week. This is, of course, Reincarnation in Judaism, The Journey of the Soul, which talks about anything from the soul as it appears before birth and going, of course, through life and then after life. Now, the issues here that we're going to be discussing, of course, are concerning our continuation of the discussion we had last week. We got up to the soul, of course, goes through a purification period, a cleansing, once it leaves the body. The body and the soul work together in a marriage. The body goes back to the earth. And of course, it's a Jewish custom to bury the body as soon as possible. The soul continues its journey and goes through this cleansing period, which can take a maximum of a year. Then, as you mentioned, it goes to a very high state, dependent on what it was able to accomplish during the course of its life. And where does reincarnation come in? Let's talk a little bit about what are those Jewish beliefs of reincarnation. Give us a, a basic framework of what we're going to be getting into during the course of this half-hour discussion. Okay, you actually uh, mentioned a good point because <clears throat> many of the people that hear about the reincarnation in Judaism right away try to figure out how does this come into the equation with the belief that after a person passes on, they enter a state of Canadian or Gehenna and things like that. Heaven and hell. Heaven and hell. So where does this come to play with the concept that the soul is again incarnate into another human being? And according to Jewish Kabbalah, which according to Jewish mystics, every single soul of a human being has 613 parts to it. Uh, the physical body, the Zohar teaches, has 613 parts to it. There's 248 body parts, evarim, and there's uh, 365 gidim, which is arteries and main veins. <coughs> These 613 parts of the body, the body parts and the veins, correspond to the 613 commandments that God gave us at Sinai, which is the Torah, the 613 commandments. These 613 commandments, again, correspond to the 613 parts of the body, which correspond to the 613 parts of the soul. That means that every single human being, just like he has 613 body parts, has a soul which encompasses and has 613 divisions. Okay. Every, sing every single human being we know has something that is uniquely theirs. Uh, if that you were nobody to else has. That no one has. There's a certain way a person feels about it, certain things. A person experiences life a certain way, has certain proclivities, certain inclinations towards certain things. It can be uh, a person loves to be compassionate and another person loves to love. But it's, it's not only in terms of a person's personality that everybody's unique. It's also in terms of every single person having a unique purpose, why their soul came to this world, or else there'd be no reason to send two souls that have the exact same purpose to this world. Correct. Personality and souls really work together. Right. When we say a person has a certain personality trait, 
and that is the uniquely theirs, that means really that on a physical level, it means that their genetic makeup and their nurture was conducive for them to be that certain way. On a spiritual level, it means that their soul was shaped and formed to have these types of inclinations. Okay. Right. And that is their personality. So every single person we know has one or two types. Uh, generally, it's one type of personality that we have to, if you have to encapsulate okay, in let's one... Get back to the in one now, right, yeah. so this is very much relevant to the okay, concept good. of reincarnation. If you have to say what is the person, you would say this person is a loving person, this person is a kind person. That is who the person is, and everything else that he experiences, she experiences in life, is a manifestation of that essence of that soul. Now, that part of the soul, which is the personality part of the soul, is the part of the soul that the person elevates in that lifetime. So every single person elevates one or two elements from their 613 parts of their soul. They elevate only one or two. Those one or two parts are their personality, and that is the parts of the soul that they elevate. One second. According to that, we have to come back at least 350 times. 613 times. 613 times? Correct. That the soul comes back? Correct. How could that be? Because every single time the soul comes down into this world, it elevates one of those aspects of the soul. Yeah, but you're talking about a life of, let's say, 70, 80 years. Right. Would be like a yo-yo, going back and forth and up and down. No, no, no. We're not going actually back and forth. This is what I'm, I'm just about to get to. Oh, okay. There's 613. Yeah, scared them. Getting dizzy already. Uh, 613 parts of the soul, okay, and we only elevate one. Let's say uh, you're Rabbi Teldon. I'm not going to describe you on the air, but whoever knows who you are knows how to describe you, right? right. And they can say, "This is who you are." That personality, who you are, that is your soul, that is your memories, your experiences, that, who, that is the part of soul, the 100, the, the, the 613th part of your entire soul that you elevated and became yours. That's you. When you pass on after your, your descent upon this earth, you, that means your personality, that particular part of your okay. soul, goes into paradise. All right. Okay? The other parts, the 612 parts that you did not elevate, not because you were a bad person, just because you can elevate 613 parts of the soul in one lifetime. You can elevate one or two, but not more. Those 612 parts of the soul, those are the parts of the soul that now become reincarnated into another body. So the you of the soul, so to speak, the personality of the soul, of your soul, is yours forever. And that's how, that's the person that will exist in all eternity. That's the soul that will exist in paradise. And according to the Jewish belief, that's the soul that will be resurrected in the dead. In the future, that soul will return back to your body and be resurrected. That is your soul and uniquely yours. That was yours, is yours, and will always be yours, and yours only. Okay, but the other I, parts. I'm, I'm still perplexed by okay. the implication that you're giving that that this this soul has to come down uh, literally hundreds of times in order to be totally refined. That's correct, but it's not you that is coming down. It's not your soul. It is part of your soul, but it's the subconscious levels of your soul. You lost me. Okay. There are 613 parts to your soul. Okay. We, me, you, and everyone I, I, I activate only one or two parts of the souls. The other parts of the soul are on a very subconscious level existing within us. Those parts are the parts that have to come back down. The other part that we elevated are the ones that are ours and that will be ours forever. So those parts have to come back down. So, uh, but according to what you're saying, then, the soul has to constantly be coming down. It goes up, let's say... And it could be days, weeks, months. I mean, it doesn't have too much time to waste if it's got to come down so many times. It's got to constantly be coming down in order to be able to accomplish its purpose. And 
So what's almost that? preferably living a short life because it's got to be able to, no, no, no. to fit a lot of a lot of lifetimes into uh, however many thousands of years that we have. I, I don't really understand the problem. Well, right? if, if you have 613 different types of powers right. that you have to refine and right. elevate, and you can only do one or two at a time, right. so you need at least 300 lifetimes in order to be able to elevate. Right. You need probably 600 lifetimes. But uh, A... So the, the Kabbalists say, the mystics say that you, a, a soul can come down so many times? Yeah. 600, why not? I don't see the problem. <laughs> and uh, your question about asking where the soul hangs around after death Yes. The parts that is a very uh, it's a very fickle question because in the world of spirituality there is no time. Okay. The whole th- when we e- when we exit this world and we exi- we exist in a world of cellular reality, there really is no dimensions of time. Okay. Uh, many Eastern philosophers, uh, not Kabbalists obviously, when they speak about reincarnation, they say that <coughs> the moment that a person passes on, that is the same moment that another child will be born with that soul. But according to the Kabbalah, it's not necessarily <coughs> the case because the Kabbalists understood that in the world of spirit, in the world of souls, there is no time. Okay. So once the soul exits this world, there is no time to say when it will return because in that world, there is no time. Okay. So for well, some, the soul can come back in right. a day, some a hundred years. Okay, I understand. I, uh, I can handle that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's forget about the amount of times that the soul comes back. Let's go on to some other topics of reincarnation. First of all, why is it that so many people within Judaism, first of all, don't even know that there's such a thing as a belief in reincarnation? And most people really look at it as somewhat uh, quacky or, or really out of touch with mainstream Judaism. What's the reason why this belief has been so much in the background for so many thousands of years? The skepticism actually originates from traditional sources. Uh, many of the ancient Jewish philosophers, the early medieval philosophers, wrote about reincarnation but said that it wasn't a Jewish concept obviously the Kabbalists said that it was but the philosophers says it was, that they weren't because the Kabbalists were talking more about the soul and the purpose of the soul they um, were in touch with that and that was their dimension of study and it was also that and it was also that you have to understand that Kabbalah was a very secretive uh, teachings until in the year until the late 1100s I think 1190 was actually the first time that any book of Kabbalah was printed and until the 12, late 1200s was the Zohar was printed, which is the fundamental book of Kabbalah in 1290s by a, a Spanish philosoph- uh, mystic, Ramosha de Leon. So until that period of time, any books that were available in Kabbalah were very scarce, if they were at all available, and it was only available to people that were interested in it mm-hmm. and had their teacher give it over to them. Okay. So many philosophers did not have it in their tradition and they did not, they did not know that it was a Jewish concept and a Jewish a part see. of the Jewish belief. So they wrote against it. But many of them also wrote that if they found out that it is part of the Jewish belief to believe in the concept of reincarnation, they will accept that as part of the belief, now, why, as a tradition. According to the Kabbalists, why is it important to believe in reincarnation? Now, besides the belief that they have that this is a reality, that the soul, of course, has a purpose and God is a God of kindness and as a result, God gives the soul more than one chance to be able to fulfill its purpose. How do they explain theologically why it's important to believe that the soul is eternal and the soul has many opportunities to come back? The main, the main reason why they believe in this is because every single person, according to this theory that there's 613 parts, every single person is born with one or two parts that they have to elevate. That means there will be certain things in life that will feel attracted to. It can be... Um, 
things, it can be people, it can be situations, and there's things that we feel uh, an aversion for, even naturally. Certain things make us feel good, and certain things don't make us feel good. According to the Kabbalah, the reason why certain things tick for us, and certain things make sense to us, and certain things don't, is because there is a, a bent, there's an inclination within the soul towards these things. Based on the soul or based on the past life that the soul might based have experienced on, it? No, not based on the past life experiences, but based on the formation of the soul now. That means there's 613 parts. Let's say we're the second person to get this soul, so we have to elevate the 612th part. Now let's, for all technical purposes, say that's the concept of loving God, which in extension means loving a fellow man, loving another fellow Jew. This is what love is all about. So when we have inclinations towards love, and we feel like a compassionate to be a loving and kind person, we have to know that we have to follow these instincts if it's a positive thing, because that's why our soul descended upon this earth, because these are the things that make sense to us, because mm -hmm. our soul is telling us to do these. And when we find attractions to things that are negative, and every person has one or two things that they feel, they feel attracted to, even though they know it's forbidden and they shouldn't be doing it, they should know that the reason why they feel attracted to these negative things is because they're task in life is to refrain from the, doing these things. Okay. So these are the, the, this is how the concept of reincarnation comes into play and is very important. All right, fine. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Sure. Um, deja vu, for instance. Can we have an experience in our life that will remind us of something that happened in a previous life? It's possible, but highly unlikely. One of the, one of the reasons why many secular people believe in reincarnation is because of memory. There's a lot of studies by scientists included that write about reincarnation. They say that actually reincarnation can be proven from children or other people that remember past lives. And with accuracy, they speak different languages that they weren't able to speak because <coughs> they're brought up in different countries and they speak different languages, different dialects, and they can remember things with accuracy, what happened to them. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they didn't have those experiences in their life. So how do we explain that? So they explain it, and it would be explained with memory. Mm -hmm. that a person experiences in the previous life, the same soul is now carried over to the next body, the next body is remembering these things. Does Kabbalah agree with that? Yes and no, because one of the big questions that everyone has to deal with, it, deal with is why doesn't everyone remember? If the case is that a person's soul was once in a previous body and now it's existing in our bodies, how can we... How come we all don't remember what happened in our previous God body? God has a reason why this particular soul is granted Okay, when you say God has a reason, that means there's no reason for us to understand. Right. Once you shift it on God's uh, back, yeah, exactly. then we'll say there is no reason. But if you're trying to be a secular person, and let's let's put God aside okay. uh, the equation and say, okay, let's figure out this case. Is reincarnation exist? Let's just be secular for a moment and say, does it exist? And we say, yeah, mem maybe memory is a good proof for reincarnation, then we can have the question, again, putting God aside, why do some people remember, why some people don't remember? So you can have to come up with many different answers. I mean, the Greeks had their answer, because the Greeks also believed, many of the ancient Greeks believed in reincarnation. Pythagoras, Plato, many other of them spoke of their previous lives. So they have to speak about how come not everyone remembers. Okay. Uh, but according to the Kabbalah, A, it's not so important to remember the previous life, and B, it's almost impossible, because the person that we are today is not the same person that we were in a previous life. We're right. today that 612th element. In our previous life, we were the 613th element. Okay, so let me ask you a question then. Yes. What is a Kabbalistic view on these past life regressions? There are a lot of people who will go to experts, go to uh, psychics, or they themselves might feel that they want to experience some past life regression. They'll go to psychologists or people who will help them 
to understand why they are what they are on the basis of what they experienced in their past life. Are they carrying baggage into this life from the past life? Number one, do we believe those things that this life is affected by the past life that we had? And number two, what do we think about all of this effort in order to be able to understand the past life? Um, again, it's it's possible through, and some people say through types of hypnosis and things like that, to maybe tap into that that part of the soul that existed in a previous life. But again, it's very high, highly unlikely because the Jewish point of view on reincarnation is very different than, this, than the other, than the Eastern thought. In Eastern thought, there's a concept of karma, which basically means, if you were to use your imagination, it's like looking out of a, a small slit in the window and seeing a cat walking, walking by. At first you would see the head, Right. And then you would see the body. Why is it And then you would see the tail. It's something that an Eastern philosopher wrote. Okay. And uh, you would see each part separate. So if you wouldn't have the great vision, you would see each part individual, and you would think that there's no such thing as a cat. There's just a head, a body, and a tail. That's what. There's three different parts. All right. If you open up the window completely, you'll see that it's one cat, and that's what Eastern philosophy says is basically the concept of reincarnation. We're all one cat. And our previous life, our next life, is all the same being. It's the same uh-huh. soul being reincarnated to the next. So we're basically digesting maybe something that happened in a previous life. They ate, and we're suffering the consequence. If they ate something bad, so we maybe have stomach pains. If they ate something good, maybe we're having, a, we're feeling good about it. Right. But according to the Torah, the Torah says no. The Torah says that every single individual person that's born is born with a clean slate. Every single person is judged for what they so are. So we don't carry any baggage from past lives whatsoever? Not, well, wait a second, not any baggage that we have to care about. Really? Yes, because we're born with a clean slate and we can make our lives whatever we want. Whatever we want to make ourselves to be, that's what we have the potential. If a person, let's say, really messed up in their past life, I mean, they really did a lousy yeah. job, they didn't elevate anything. Right. And to the contrary, they just took their soul and they stuck it in the mud. And the next life, they come back has nothing to do with that whatsoever? It's not affected by it at all? Generally not. There's a possibility. There's, there's another type of reincarnation where the actual soul of the person, which is the 613th part, the part that the person elevated, will be reincarnated into another body, to another human form. And then he may suffer the consequences of the previous life. But that's a very rare case of reincarnation. Can a human being be reincarnated as a rock or an animal? Correct. That's exactly the same way. When... That's, but that's only a punishment. That's only a punishment. And okay. the same way is also when a person lives out of previous life experiences, that's also only a punishment. So it's possible. I mean, it's very hard to tell a person that the reason why you're suffering is because you did something in your past life. So Because A, first of all, according to Judaism, that's generally not the case. If, you, if a person goes through hardships or anything in life, whatever a person experiences life is in life the way they is in life today is because of something they did today. Well, and how about when a child dies? Or a person has tremendous suffering, let's say, at a very young age, when there's absolutely nothing that they might have done. That's correct. It's not because they have done anything. And it, but and not, that's not because of a past life, perhaps? But not, it, perhaps, but only perhaps. We can't do away with suffering by the answer of reincarnation. We can't say reincarnation answers all the questions for suffering. One of the Jewish philosophers that argued against reincarnation said, if you say that suffering answers child immortality... Why did children die in the first generation? And I'm sure the children die too. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the purpose of reincarnation and, and uh, is not to tell us 
that the reason why people suffer is because they, they did something in a previous life. Because really, it is not that way. And no one suffers for something that's done in, for something that was done in a previous life. Every single person is born with a clean slate, and every person is rewarded and punished according to their own actions. I want to get back also yes. to, uh, to the second part of my question concerning yeah. people who want to go into past life regressions. I have many people come to us and talk to us about this also and ask a, a question. Mm -hmm. They want to know what does Judaism say about going to these individuals? And even though, from what I understand, it could very well be, the, be that some of them do have certain types of perception. Some of them might not be genuine at all and are just doing it for the money. But let's say they are genuine and they do have this, this ability. The Torah is prohibiting the Jewish people, at least, from engaging in this even though it might be possible, but it's not something for a Jew to do. Why? Because we accept with a full belief that God gave us everything we need, all the tools, the body, the situation, the family, the circumstances of our life, to be able to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And to try to think we're going to second-guess God or, or, or get more information than what God made available to us because we're going to do a better job in figuring out what we're supposed to do in this life than what God gave us is almost in a certain way a denial of of the very gift of life that God gave us. Can you, uh, does that go along with your Kabbalistic uh, teachings? Uh, yes, and yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, okay. Generally... So I can breathe a sigh of relief? <laughs> generally, the, there's, there's many types of powers in this world, and some of them are psychic powers, which became popular, and was popular, and it's probably popular throughout history, which are people that are born with innate ability to have a sixth sense to see things that and there's a reason why God gives those particular individuals that correct sixth sense. but it, there's a wrong assumption that a person with a sixth sense is holy holy and a sixth sense and a psychic power have nothing in common I mean there could be a psychic that is holy but by having a sixth sense by being born with that sixth sense doesn't necessarily mean this person is holy because they could use it for the wrong reasons correct also. it's like a talent just like any other talent it's like an artistic talent or music, a musical talent they have a talent why does this, certain people have talent for music? Certain people have talent to have a sixth sense. The question is what they do with their talent. And do they utilize it for a spiritual and godly reason? Or, like most cases, uh, it just becomes an ego trip for them that they have this talent and therefore they're superior and other people have to listen to them. So that's why the danger is when, when the ego gets involved into such powers, mm -hmm. we have to really be you know watch out for such type of people. But nevertheless, you would also discourage people from going to listen to or to try to find out anything about a past life. Number one, because there's really very little, if any, way to verify that this information is true. And to change your life on the basis of information you might find out, what's it going to accomplish? So again, right, because A, it's almost impossible to find out because that part of us that existed in a previous life was in a very subconscious level. So I don't know how many can accurately really tap into that energy and see what's going on in the past life. And B, it's not so important what happened. What's important is what's now, uh, yeah. how, how, we, how we can go on with life from Let's now. Let's say a person says that they're comforted. They just want to know from somebody that they've talked to, to the soul or that's on the other side, and that will give them tremendous comfort, a very dear lost one who they need to, to find out what happened the last moment of their life. Or how do you explain to somebody that, that there are different ways of getting over that emotional bridge that needs to be dealt with as opposed to going to one of these people in order to, to get that type of answer? Uh, first of all, that, that type of answer of, of tapping into a soul that departs is actually, if you think about it, what you're doing is you're bringing the soul 
if it's an authentic uh, type of healer, you're bringing the soul of someone that departed that really wants to exist in paradise, and you're bringing it back into this world, and it's a very painful experience. So you're doing a disservice to the soul. Really. Sure, I mean this this says already in the Bible. It says when when King Saul, uh, Saul went to to the witch to find out if he had to go into war or not, so he asked his master Samuel, who departed, the and it was the prophet Samuel who died already. So Samuel came to Shaul and said, why are you bringing me here? You're, this is only a painful experience. And all he wanted to do, Shaul, was to find out an answer because he knew that he had the answers. So bringing a soul back into this world is something that we don't want to so do. How can a person have the ability then to force a soul against its will to come back down to give answers? There are certain powers it's that a, are... It's, it must be a very tremendous power. There's tremendous, there's tremendous energy in this world. And the, it could be utilized to the holy or to not the holy. Right. And the difference is, is the difference between transcendence and selfishness. Many of the ancient Greeks, uh, one of the, even there was a, a idol worship called the Baal, which they, used to, they simply used to release their, their feces on, on, on the Vedazar, on their idols. And that was because by being animalistic, and some of them drank uh, human blood or sacrifice, sacrificial blood. By being animalistic, they tapped into the animalistic energy that exists in this world. Because an animal, again, like I think we said last time, an animal is by nature who they are. That's the way they experience mm -hmm. life. They can't deviate from what, from what they are. Right. There's no free choice. So in a way, an animal sees things because they're in touch with nature, which is really a part of God, mm -hmm. more than a human. Because a human stands in transcendence of nature. So an animal is in touch with spirituality. It says in the Talmud that when, a, when a, the dogs bark in a city, you should worry that maybe something, some spirit is in the city. So if you can act animalistic through different rituals, you can tap into the animal energy. But the point of the Torah, again, is not to become more animal, but to become more godly, more right. angel, male, more angelic, to stand above nature and right. touch and tap into the energy of God right. which is transcendent well, of spirit it's as well. Interesting. Based on what you're saying there is of course in the Kabbalah much teaching about there being positive energy and negative Correct. energy. And our free choice really on a constant basis as you mentioned is, is always make sure we're tapping into the positive. Right. Even many of the the black magics the white magic uh, tarot cards what is tarot? Tarot is Torah spelled backwards. You have all types of different black sciences sure. of the magics that are really in certain ways based on Kabbalah in fact many of their masters will say that it comes from Kabbalah because Kabbalah is considered to be the source of much of this knowledge of what mysticism and what these very powerful energies are all about but of course the Torah wants us very much to focus on as you say using out this energy connecting to this energy in a proper way putting ourselves into the proper perspective making sure that we are in fact keeping ourselves connected in a way that it will lead to Kedusha lead to elevation and let me to just feeding our, our selfishness. Correct. All right. So I want to thank you very much, Rabbi Pinson, for being with us. I'm sure we could go on again for a long time, and hopefully we'll have you on another time in order to be able That's to go into some more of these topics. Because the fact is that this is an area, of course, that is, is such a mystery to so many of us. And I, I have a hard time with some of the things that uh, Rabbi Pinson, I'm going to talk to him after the show about this. <laughs> it's uh, 300 times up and down. I'm uh, getting dizzy already thinking about that. But in any case, the basic idea of reincarnation that God has a love for each and every single one of us and wants to give us more chances, whatever chances we need to fulfill the purpose of our soul. So go out there, think about the purpose of your soul. Think about what you can accomplish. Maybe your soul is waiting for that one deed that you're meant to accomplish, that's meant to give that extra dimension to your life, whether it be in terms of doing something for your family, something for your community, for your children, 
for your parents, whoever it might be, do something good because believe me, that will do whatever is necessary to help your soul accomplish its purpose. Shalom.